0: All right, we good? Thank you, Jacob, and Kai, and Jordan, and Derek Squared, and Lucas. Appreciate you guys. Um, So this morning, we're going to talk about vaccinations. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly Patterson. Uh, That's not true, but we're going to talk about something equally as uncomfortable, uh, church accountability healthy biblical confrontation Uh, everyone on youtube is like brunch sounds great we'll see you guys next week Uh, but we're going to talk about healthy confrontation what does that look like in the church first timothy 5 1 and 2 says do not rebuke an older man but encourage him as you would a father your younger men as brothers older women as mothers younger women as sisters in all purity so before we get rolling let's pray god we love you thank you for your goodness Um, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Um, We say the enemy has no place or authority over us, so would you speak truth? Would you work in us? Would you refine us? Um, Would you soften our hearts to receive your truth today? And would you help us to look more like you for your good and glory? Amen. So 30 seconds in, accountability, and there's already this like awkward discomfort, right? And, and, And honestly, I love it. Uh, We we chase comfort too much, I think, in our world, uh, and and comfort doesn't ever make us better, right? The way of Jesus is not a way of pursuing comfort. It's being vulnerable, it's being challenged, it's being refined. Um, It's allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and to point out areas where we need to grow, blind spots, weaknesses, to allow us to be molded into who he actually created us to be. So when was the last time you actually confronted someone? And how did it go? Probably not well. Right? When was the last time that you were confronted? How did it go? If you're like me, you probably didn't receive it very well. Right? Nobody, nobody gets confronted or is held accountable and be like, man, that's awesome. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. That's so great. Like, no, it hurts. It's not fun. right? It's uncomfortable. It's awkward, uh, but it is biblical, right? And, you know, I'm fortunate to work with uh, a lot of leaders and teams, mostly in the sports world, but in business as well. And when, when we look at teams that consistently perform at a high level, right? Whether it's winning basketball games or generating a lot of sales, a lot of revenue, whatever success looks like in your world, one of the common hallmarks of those teams is that they have an accountab- a, a culture of accountability. Right? They hold each other to a high standard. Teams that lose, organizations that fall apart, it's because they either don't hold each other accountable, right? They, they, and they let unhealthy behaviors or standards or practices take root and they crumble. Or they do accountability as shame and judgment and discipline. And it just creates bitterness and distrust and disconnect and, and they crumble. But the best teams love each other. They trust each other, and they hold each other accountable to a high standard. They're they're made up of imperfect humans, so when people go off the path, they gently remind them, like, hey, that's not who we are. That's not who you are. Let's get back on the path. Let's be who we said we were going to be. Let's be who we agreed to be. You know, it was interesting. My my oldest son, his baseball team last year, we were in a game, and they'd made a few mistakes that were not... um, not like them. They weren't weren't playing up to their potential. So they're out in the field and their coach is frustrated. He wasn't mad at them, but he yelled out. He goes, this is not who you are. Right? And again, it wasn't out of shame. It was like, hey, these mistakes, this isn't you. You're better than this. I've seen you practice. I've seen you play. I know your potential. Get back to being who you are. And that is what accountability looks like. You know, how many of you guys think, show of hands, how many of you think that Jonathan, as the lead pastor of Skyline, uh, should be held accountable to his life, his leadership, his decisions, his character, his marriage? Like, show of hands, how many of you think that's true? Every hand should be up, by the way. It's not, it's not awkward, it's not bad. He's not here, he doesn't know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not to say he's screwing up, right? I'm just saying in, in that position, right, there is an, we would agree that there is a certain standard to which Jonathan should be living at. Not a perfect standard, right? He's, he's a human just like us. Now, what about your boss at work? Should they be held accountable for the way that they make decisions, for their leadership, for their character? Show of hands, unless your boss is in the room. Right? True. What heads of school, government officials, right? All of these things, we, we think these people should be held accountable. I mean, shoot, if you go to Starbucks and the person gives you 2% instead of soy, we demand accountability. You take your clothes to the dry cleaners and they mess up your shirt. It's like, I demand, you ruined my shirt. I demand accountability. You need to take ownership of this thing that you did. If Jeff three streets over doesn't mow his yard, he needs to be held accountable. Not in person, of course. We're gonna do that on the neighborhood Facebook group. <laughs> but like, we, we want accountability for everyone else, but we want grace for us. Truth for them, grace for me. That, that's not how... That's not how any of this works. We actually need both. We all need grace and truth. And it feels like we can live in this world of two extremes. Right on one hand, if someone sins, if someone says something we disagree with, uh, makes a poor decision, a, out, of, out of character judgment, we cancel them. Or we don't confront them, we cancel them. You are beyond redeemable. Like, that doesn't sound much like the way of Jesus. But on the other side, oftentimes we don't confront We instead turn a blind eye and we call it acceptance. We call it tolerance. We call it privacy. We call it individualism. You do you, all do me, right? Your faith is your faith and my faith is my faith. (laughs) But again, it's not how this works. You have a a personal relationship but a communal faith. Like we are all in this together. And what that does is we knowingly let people go down the wrong path. We knowingly let our brothers and sisters step into sin, which is sin. And when we talk about accountability, by the way, it's, it's church people. It's not unbelievers. They've not committed to follow the way of Jesus. So we can't hold them accountable to something that they've never agreed to, to a commitment that, they, that they've never made in life. But we've made too often accountability a dirty word in our, in our culture, in our society, and we've replaced it with judgment. Because if it's judgment, then that person is a jerk. And I can dismiss whatever it is they're saying. Right? If, if, if you're judging me, well, who, who are you to judge me? I don't have to listen to what you say when you're coming at me that way, which is not true, by the way. Because <laughs> the message could still be true regardless of how they delivered it. But if, it's, if that sin or if that pattern of behavior, if this thing is being confronted in judgment, then I can defend myself a lot easier. You know, mostly it feels like we don't hold others accountable because we don't want to be held accountable. Like right? I, I know the plank in my eye. <laughs> and if I w- point out the plank in my eye, what if in the midst of me pointing out the plank in their eye, they they see the plank in my eye, and now we're all talking about planks. Like, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to deal with that. Besides, planks are trendy, so let's just go for it. <laughs> you know, confrontation is hard. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. But again, it's biblical. and I, And I'm not going to pretend to be an expert at it. It's not fun. But we have to walk... Through it. And before we really dig into it, uh, I do want to acknowledge like some of you have been hurt by accountability. You've been hurt by church confrontation. And and used the wrong way, it can create shame. It can be used to manipulate. It can be used for abuse. And none of that is good or wrong or good or, or the way of Jesus, right? That is wrong. That is sin. If that's happened to you, I'm sorry. And I get it. But I hope that you can, even with that experience, Hold that in this hand, but consider that confrontation actually is a good thing. When done in love, when done in humility, it actually makes us better. Because one thing accountability and confrontation are not about is shame. Right? If you are shaming someone, that's not holding them accountable. That's judgment. That's ego. That's that's not what what Jesus modeled. That's not what um, his disciples or the apostles modeled. And so don't hear shame or judgment in anything that that comes out today. You know, I think too often the enemy tries to get us to dismiss um, the truth of conviction with the shame of judgment. Right, does that make sense? Too often the enemy tries to spin the conviction of truth, because truth cannot feel good. It can convict we have, to, we have to be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit to consider what's actually being said and not immediately label it as shame and judgment because it's exactly what the enemy wants from us so that we can keep on living in a pattern of sin. And what happens in those situations is we get to make the other person our enemy. Right? If, if I think you're judging me, now you're my enemy. Now it's me against you. But it's not me against you, it's us against sin. It's not me against you, it's not you against me, it's us against sin. Sin is the issue, not you. You are a son or a daughter of the king. We have to get to the root of sin. So when it comes to accountability, there there are two sides of it, right? There's the person that's confronting, and there's the person being confronted. But both have a role to play in whether or not this, this goes well. So let's start with the person, like, if, you're, if you have to hold someone accountable, if you have to confront someone, now is this even something we should do? Right? Again, I mean, who, who are we to tell someone else how to live? Who are we to tell someone that they're living in sin, that they've, they're pursuing a false teaching, that they're straying from the way of Jesus? We are sons and daughters of the King, filled with wisdom and power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, and we are supposed to model the way of Jesus. And Jesus confronted people. He confronted Sin, we are to correct people. Now, that doesn't mean you go around, like, you don't need to, don't become the sin police. Right? Like, that's not the way of Jesus. That's pretty much the opposite of every fruit of the Spirit. So that's not the point of, like, okay, so, that, so I guess leave here and, like, have my sin radar on. No. Right? That, that's not what this looks like. And I, and I get that it's an uncomfortable topic, but we don't get to pick and choose the Bible based on what's comfortable based on how our world would use accountability and confrontation. So look at Galatians 6.1, right? There's a way to do this. So brothers and sisters, if, any, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Not shame, not embarrassment, not public humiliation, not a personal attack. You are to restore them in a spirit of gentleness, that's what healthy confrontation looks like. I'm, I'm coming to restore you. you. You've gone off the path, and I'm not mad at you. I'm not judging you. I'm just, I know who you are, so I'm going to restore you in a spirit of gentleness. There is a right approach. First thing is that biblical confrontation or challenge can only happen in relationship. Right? If I don't know you, I don't know that I have the right to hold you accountable to anything. then it it will be received in in judgment and in shame. You can't hold someone accountable if there's not a level of relationship, of trust, of influence. You know, Jonathan, for example, we've been at Skyline, I think, about 12 years. So I've known Jonathan, been, been in life with Jonathan for 12 years. We've laughed, we've cried, we've prayed, we've encouraged each other, we've had some really difficult conversations. We've confronted each other. I'm not gonna say it's fun. But we also didn't run from it we had the trust to listen to each other and figure out what the truth is in the middle of it and to actually get, get better in the middle of that. We couldn't do that if we didn't have relationship. And he, can, like, he has permission to speak truth into my life because of that relationship. Hopefully I have that same, that same truth with him. So if he questions me on something, I know where he's coming from. I know his views about me. I know our relationship. There's a history of trust. But I would guess if you're here at Skyline for the first time, welcome, by the way. Lots of fun. Uh, but if, if you were to email him after a sermon and not know him, be like, hey, I disagree with this, this, and this. He'd be like, what in the world? I, I don't know you. Where did this come from? Right? You, you go post on social media how crazy this Skyline church is. Like, that's not going to sit well. But when there's relationship, we can speak truth. So it always has to be done in relationship. The second thing to consider when it comes to confrontation is your intent. Like, what is your goal for the person that you're talking to? What do you want for them? Are you trying to get them to realize just how wise you are, just how well you know the Bible, just how holy you are? Or are you loving them? Are you fighting for their highest good? Are you wanting them to thank you for your overwhelming wisdom? Are you wanting them to pursue Jesus? What is your intent when you enter into confrontation you know again what I found in in working with leaders and teams that there are three questions that people are thinking about when you're on the other side of confrontation it's are you for me are you against me or are you for yourself are you for me are you against me Or are you for yourself if I'm for myself I'm holding you accountable to prop me up I don't really don't care about your soul I don't really don't care about your behavior I'm just trying to make myself look good I'm trying to use my power and authority for me. If I'm against you, I want to shame you. Right? Again, I'm not for your soul. I'm not for your highest good. I want to shame you. And what I'm actually doing is calling you out, which never ends well. People don't get better when you call them out. Right? Again, a lot of my world is sports. And so working with coaches. Right? If somebody messes up, like let's, let's use a football player for example. Right? He runs across the middle, drops a pass. He's beating himself up, right? Like he they, they knows he messed up. He's walking off the field, head down. The coach's like, you idiot, what's wrong with you? I didn't, you catch that, you were wide open. It's like, awesome, thanks, coach. That's so encouraging. I didn't know I dropped it. I really appreciate that. Like, man, you really showed me something I was unaware of. Like, no, that doesn't make him want to get better. That makes him bitter towards that coach. When I'm for you, I'm calling you up. Hey, this is who you are. Hey, you made that mistake. I get it. But this is who, let's get back to who you are. This is who you were created to be. And that changes the tone. That changes the approach. Right? I, want, I want what's best for you. I'm not about me in this situation. I'm about you. So the question to consider in the midst of confrontation and really in the midst of all of life is what's it like to be on the other side of you? How does it feel to be confronted by you? We, we have to be aware of the, of the energy and the environment that we are creating. Ephesians 4.15 says we are to speak the truth in love. To grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are to speak truth. We are to confront sin. We are to challenge. We are to do it in love. What does it look like for you to hold people accountable in love? It's using confrontation to remind them of who they are, not what they've done. Right, we don't need to relive and rehash all of their sin. Right, it's it's pointing them back to the way of Jesus, and part of this is praying about it. Right, we have to we have to clearly hear from God to to get the direction that we are to go to to test our opinion with Scripture. Right, because you may have an opinion on what the, what they're doing is wrong. You may be wrong. Right, Scripture is the truth. Script, scripture trumps opinion. So we have to consider, we have to pray, we have to, God, am, am I, what is my intent here? Am I seeing the right things? Which may also mean, by the way, you go to someone else first, not in gossip, but say, hey, I think I'm seeing this. I trust you, you're wise. One, am I way off base? If I am, tell me, I don't need you to agree with me. I need, I need truth. So am I, see, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? And two, if I am, how, how can I approach this? How can I do this with grace and with love? We have to get clear on our intent. You have to believe the best in the other person. Don't see them as a sinner who needs to be corrected. See them as a son or daughter of the king. See them as a saint who needs to be reminded of who they are. Lastly, accountability is done in private. Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Right? We hold people accountable in private, not public humiliation, uh, not, not on social media. Right? We have to ha- be willing to like, put on our big boy pants and have some tough conversations. You do it in private, you do it in love. And again, the second part of that goes back to what I was just saying, where if they don't listen, right? if it's a significant sin and they don't listen, you may have to get somebody else involved, again, not out of gossip, but trusted godly counsel, to to get involved in that conversation, right? Go to the source first. If it doesn't work out, then you may have to get other people involved. But it's always good to get those people involved ahead of time. Again, not as gossip, but seeking counsel. So healthy biblical confrontation is done in relationship, it's done in love, it's done in private, and it's done to point people back to Jesus. I love how John Tyson phrases this. He said, I'm with you, I'm for you, and I'm committed to your redemptive potential. Like, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm committed to your redemptive potential, so I need to tell you something. Right, I love you, I'm for you, I know who you really are, I've got to have an awkward conversation. So what about the other side of this? Are you someone who can be confronted? Are you someone who can be challenged? Are you someone who can be held accountable I mentioned earlier that too often when someone holds us accountable our pride and our self-preservation and our insecurity they rise up and we start to label the other person as the enemy we say they're judgmental this is legalism they are hypocrites and we go on the attack and if we can dismiss them we can dismiss the message and yes this is pride but it's really also just us defending our sin like if we can dismiss them we're, we're really just trying to defend our sin instead of dealing with the issue and it's like, you know, you're a jerk, you hypocrite, you can't tell me how to live my life. Sure, maybe, <laughs> but sin is still sin and it needs to be dealt with. For example, Dewey is a person, Greg Dewey is someone that I, I trust deeply. Like he's in my top five favorite people in the world. Um, I respect him as a man, as a husband, as a business person, uh, as a dad, as a follower of Jesus. Like if I've ever talked to you and Dewey's come up, like these are probably things I've said. Like he's, he's, he's one of my favorite people. But if he were to confront me, I know my tendency. I know my pride, my insecurity, my ego. I, I know how they show up. And if he were to confront me, I would immediately look for reasons to throw his credibility out the window. Immediately. I may even, depending on how unhealthy I am, go find someone to gossip to. Can you believe he said this. Like, who does he think he is? He had, I mean, he's doing this, and he's going to hold me accountable for this. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've done that, but I'm just going to assume... A lot of us are in that same boat, unfortunately. But it's, but it's interesting because this person that I would tell you that I trust, that I love, that I know trust, and loves me, who, ha- who is fighting for my highest good, when they, all of a sudden they have a hard conversation, now they're the enemy. They're, they're my person. They're my top five favorite people as long as they're in agreement with me, as long as they just let me live my life. But as soon as they try to speak grace and truth, now this person that I would claim is wise is ignorant. And they're judgmental and they're a hypocrite. Like, that's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing. So, we have to be able to back up in the moment, to understand what the enemy is trying to do, but to, to hear the Holy Spirit say, wait a minute, you know him. You know him. You trust him. You go to him for advice. You know that he trusts and loves and cares for you. Maybe we should listen, because what if he's right? I think that's the big question, like, in confrontation. Like, it's un, it's not comfortable. It's not fun. What if the person doing it, even as they fumble through it, even if they may have the wrong tone, even if they don't have the, the complete right approach, what if they're right? What if what they're saying is actually true? And I think we've too often made our faith a private thing. Like, my faith is, you. like, you don't get to, I'll tell Jesus I'm a sinner, but you can't tell me I'm a sinner. It's like, and it's this, this private thing, but our faith is a communal thing. We are a body. And if one part of the body is sick, then we are sick. Like Paul was just consistently confronting the church. Not out of anger, not out of shame, but say, hey, we, we are a body. We are one. Stop going this direction. This is the direction that, that we are being called to. It's not my way or your way or Billy's way or Sue's way. It's like I can tell you how my way ends up and it's nowhere good. There is the way. And the road is narrow. And that doesn't mean we're all robots that look the same. But, like, we are called to, to the path to the way of Jesus. And the Bible is very clear on, like, what things are actually sin. And if we are to be followers of Jesus, we are to commit to each day becoming more and more like Jesus. And more often than not, we are going to need help. We're going to need help. I, like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, I screw up all the time. I need I need people like Paul say hey, nope, it's not good. You're better than that. Come back over here. I love what Proverbs fifteen five says: A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the message, it says that to welcome correction is good sense. Like if you're consistently screwing up, wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want someone to say, like, hey, I, I, I know you're screwing up? You may not realize it, but there's an easier way. I, I can actually help you stop screwing up. Like, again, let's go back to sports. If you've got someone who's right-handed, constantly trying to play with their left hand, they just think for some reason they're left-handed, and they can't dribble, they can't shoot, they can't pass, and nobody says anything. It's Like, you're, we're just consistently setting that person up for success. But hey, by the way, try that right hand. See how that works out. It's like their eyes open. It's like, ah. Mal, you want to come up here? (laughs) Godly accountability, godly confrontation. To despise those things is foolish. It is prideful. And God opposes the proud, which means we are to receive accountability with humility. To not attack their character, but to instead say, Thank you enough for caring so much about me that you're willing to engage in this conversation because it, it's not fun to hear it. I'm sure it's also not fun to give this message. But thank you enough that you care enough for me, for my highest good, for my soul, for my life, that you're willing to engage in this discomfort. Thank you for being willing to call me up because accountability isn't something that you do to someone accountability and, and confrontation and challenge is something that you do for someone, right? You're trying to keep them healthy, keep them whole, right? It's not, it's not against them. But to have a friend who cares enough to have difficult conversations, to call you out on your junk is a beautiful and powerful thing, right? People who are willing to lean in to life. Because too often we think that we have it all figured out. Right? Like, I, like, I know what's best for me I, I'm good. Um, you couldn't be more wrong. Like I've, I'm on my path. You're on your path. I can see myself clearly. But we all have blind spots. Like Let's, let's say you go to um, a business dinner and you're pitching this client like you got a fresh haircut, you got a new suit, like you're feeling good. You think you're hitting all your main points. You're like, man, I think we closed this deal. I think we nailed it. You go to the bathroom, wash your hands, look in the mirror, and there's a big chunk of food. Right? You felt pretty good about yourself all night long. Didn't know there's a big chunk of food stuck in your teeth. And the person across from you, this potential client, actually has no clue what you said all evening. <laughs> They've just been staring at that food the entire time. Right? We need someone to highlight our blind spots, and we must have the humility to let them shine a light on those things. We need people like Paul who in Galatians 2 confronted Peter not just because Peter was being a hypocrite, but because his hypocrisy was spreading. Right? Peter's sin was causing other people to sin. Our sin often invites other people. One person follow, follows this way. Um, we have influence. We have relationship. We have trust with people. We think, oh, that, that, it, they seem like they're happy. It seems like a good thing. And we follow along. And now we have a group operating in sin. But Peter confronted him. Confronted them to get back on the path of Jesus. Not to be perfect to strive to be on the path, to come back, to repent, to rest. Again, in confrontation, we tend to make everyone else the enemy. And and just a reminder that the enemy is sin. And, And Satan loves nothing more for us than to make another brother and sister our enemy so that sin continues to take root, so that unhealthy habits or patterns continue to take root. But I'm not fighting against you and you're not fighting against me. We're in a battle together. I'm for you. I'm with you. I'm committed to your redemptive potential, right? It's not dropping an accountability bomb on someone and saying, all right, see you, good luck. saying, hey, I'm with you. Whatever whatever healing looks like, I'm in it. This is wrong. I'm not mad at you. I'll walk with you until everything is okay. Jacob, you guys can come back up. You know, again, the point of all this is not to be the sin police. That's a miserable way to live, Uh, That's not an accurate representation of Jesus. And it's honestly a great way to end up with no influence and no friends. It's like those are the people that we don't want to be around. But if we're in community, if we're in relationship, we're going to stumble. We're going to get off the path. We are imperfect people trying to be like our perfect king. And when we fall off the path, we can't sit by it in silence and we can't rush in in judgment. We're to enter these spaces to restore them with gentleness. I love what Caleb Arter said. I don't know if he's here this morning, but their policy at Blue 7, right, a business where you're going to have some accountability, some confrontation, is to confront in love, receive in humility. To be the type of person who lovingly confronts people and the kind of person who with humility says, thank you for loving me. I may not agree with you. I may not see what you see, but I love you and trust you enough to listen. We are to be iron sharpening iron. Who through the power and wisdom of the Holy Spirit, we are being refined and we are called to refine others. It's a process, it's a journey, and we are all walking it together. We are to be Romans twelve eight people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, to live peaceably with all. And where there is sin, there is no peace. Right? Where there is sin, there is no peace. So as we close, think for a minute. Not about who you need to confront. But think about relationship. Where is there a relationship that you're in that's not at peace? There is some pain that needs some reconciliation. And maybe that's a person in this room. You need to get together and pray. Maybe have the prayer team pray over you. Maybe they're not here. You need to set up a conversation. But we are to live in peace. So where are you, where, where's a relationship that's not right at the moment, that needs some healing, that needs some truth, that needs some reconciliation? And what are you gonna do about it, right? Are you gonna fight for that person's highest good? Are you gonna fight for the highest good of that relationship? Say, hey, we're not as we should be. Let's fix that. Jesus calls us to repentance. Jesus calls us to reconciliation. So who you need to reconcile with this morning. God, we love you are good you fight for us you give us the strength and courage to fight for our brothers and sisters God help us do that with love help us see them as daughters and sons of the king help us hold each other lovingly and gently to the path help us live with humility God any words that the enemy tried to distort this morning would they fall away but Holy Spirit would you work on us would you convict us would you refine us would you humble us and would you restore us for the glory and for the good of God